1: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrowcom ACAST. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport,
2: your station. You're very welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David Sheen, with you until five o'clock. Now it's time for the first in a new series of interviews where we look back on a significant championship win for a local side. And we're going to start off with Blackhall Gales, senior football championship win in Meade in 2003, their first and only championship win at the senior grade in the county. So Blackhall Gales, for a little bit of background, they were formed in 1995, an amalgamation of Kilcloon and Batterstown. They won the intermediate in 1998, but they were relegated back to intermediate from senior. in 2001 before bouncing back at the first attempt in 2001 Dunshockland in the year just gone incidentally the first team since then to go down to intermediate and come straight back up at the first attempt so it's definitely not something that's easy to achieve so back at senior grade and in 2002 they pushed a very strong Dunshockland side to a replay in the quarter final so they were showing signs at that stage that they were maybe on the brink of a breakthrough that Dunshockland team of course that was their three in a row year in Meath and they went on to win Leinster that year as well. It's worth noting as well that from 2003 to 2005 2006, the Meade Senior Football Championship was comprised of two groups of eight. So the winners of the championship in those years had to play 10 games at least. That's assuming no replays, which seems extraordinary now really when you think about it. So with that little bit of background out of the way, let's now hear from two of the main men from that 2003 success. Paul Nestor, who was full back on the team, and the Black Hole manager at the time, Leo Turley. This is episode one of the first time with Blackhall Gales. So, Leo, I might start with you. Um, most of us of a certain age remember your tussles with Mick Lyons and that really intense mead leash rivalry in the, in the early to mid-90s. So, how was it that you came to take over Black Hall and when exactly did you become involved with the club?
3: Uh, I started... I, I, when I was uh, up against Mick Lyons, Jesus, now we're whatever about 20-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. That's a 30-year anniversary since uh, the match in Navan when we, we beat Mead and uh, after they'd been in the All-Ireland final. Uh, we didn't beat them often, but w- that was a great day because I think we played Mead something like five or six seasons in the, 90, in the 90s. Mm. It was like every year it was bloody Mead. We couldn't get a break and... We couldn't beat me, apart from that one time. So uh, after my career finished in about 1997, 98 I moved to Carlo, And then work brought me back up to Dublin. And I was working with a mortgage broker in town. And um, there was a, an employee in there, a guy by the name of Mick O'Malley, who Paul will know well. Mick O'Malley was uh, working as a broker consultant in there. And we were chatting over coffee one morning. He said, oh, yeah, my club are looking for a new manager. They got relegated last year. There's a lot of young talent there. <clears throat> Maybe you should go and have a chat with them because I'd already managed a couple of clubs down in Leash and in Carlo, So I had a bit of experience behind me. Blackhall Gales had no idea where they were, even though I was living in Leakslip, which was literally five miles away from Kilcloon." Went out, uh, met Blackhall Gales and uh, said, oh yeah, I'm the man for the job. I'll win the intermediate for you. We'll win the intermediate and then we'll get back up and we'll win the senior within two years. Telling you that now, you've got a great bunch of lads, super players, good attitude, etc., etc. et cetera. Usual phony sales pitch by a manager <laughs> who wants a, an easy gig within five miles of living at home. <laughs> so they, 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 they put their neck on the blocks and... Uh, Thanks to the man on the other line, we won an intermediate championship with more or less the last kick of a game against uh I think it was Beliver in the final in Park Halton when um uh what's your man's name directly? Seamus Seamus um from Walterstown. McCormick. She- McCormack uh gave a penalty from about fifty yards out. And <laughs> one thing I'd I think it was Creevy that was in it was fouled, own oh, Creevy that was fouled. And one thing I always told the forwards never move. Once you're fouled, don't walk, get up and walk away out of the penalty spot or out of the box because the referee will come in and clear to Jason and say, right, that's a free. <laughs> and you won't get the penalty. So in fairness to Owen Creevey, he stayed put, referee came in, gave the penalty. Paul came up, buried it and uh, the, the start of the, the trip was on.
2: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, years of uh, battling away with Mick Lyons and other fullbacks uh, put, you, put you in the picture in terms of what to do to win a, win a penalty, Leo. But, Paul, I guess, you know, we, we were obviously focused on all 3 but the, the formation of the club in 1995, was that something, we won't go into a huge amount of detail on it, but was that something that w- was inevitable at the time, or was it something that was a little bit strange? Obviously, you were, you were a batterstown man, so was that a bit of an odd one, or was it something that you felt had to happen?
1: Um. Probably more natural for, for me, more than anything. We had played together, we played together at underage. Uh, so we, we we played under Kilcloon, Batterstown, Batterstown, Kilcloon, all the way through underage. So it was really, really natural for me. It felt more odd that we would split after minor uh, than anything. But I suppose back then, every parish had its own kind of tradition and that sort of stuff. Look at it uh, on the amalgamations. There's always difficulties. You know, you're not going to please everybody in, in any club over things like that. And tradition, tradition in GEA is a very strong, you know, point of view on anything that comes to the table. Always, but you, I suppose you need you need certain characters that see a different vision. Like, uh, and maybe with us winning stuff at underage and winning Division Ones as these this parish. This Cocloon Batterstown area winning division one titles at under 16, under 17. Yes, we won three minors, but that's kind of when amalgamation with Manalby as well in those three minor titles. So, mm-hmm. so I think people around the club kind of realize that, hold on a second, we have an awful lot of young talent coming up here. Amalgamation seems on the cards. Things are getting harder and harder, you know, at junior B level, at junior A level. So these lads have a, have a chance of playing at playing at a very very high level, and and the and the area itself, the Cloudbatter batterson, Who knows what this will bring? Yeah. So, luckily enough, you know it did form, and and the amalgamation came with ease to a lot of us younger lads. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> and, and looking at the I mean you mentioned the youth there Leo I'm looking at the pen picks and hats off to your PRO or whoever looks after all this sort of information because I was able to get the, the match day program on your website I'm looking through the, the pen picks from the team that won the senior in 03 only uh, Barry Miles is over 30 and then you've got Stephen Malley at 29 and Mark Crampton who I the misfortune to get a shoulder off uh, one time a few years ago it didn't it didn't end went, went too well for me but everybody else like looking through like you know the goalkeeper Martin Whelan 23, 20, 28, 21, 22 Miles 26 at the time so it, it was a very young team as you said and and to go back to the, the intermediate victory Paul from your perspective when when Leo came in did you kind of you know the way when managers come in it's it, it does there's a little bit of a, a getting to know you period between managers and players and I think if a manager is a spoofer, players will, will pick up on it almost the first day they meet. So clearly, Leo spoofed his way into getting the job. But he obviously, <laughs> he obviously made an impression on you, lad, straight away.
1: Uh, uh, no, he did. He did. Look, and I, I would have been down probably watching those games in the 90s. Uh, and I would have seen Leo as this kind of ball magnet <laughs> that Nick Lyons mm. was trying to get a grip of. Uh, and as a forward, I was at the time, I was there going, I'd be delighted to see this lad coming in and he changed me fortunes pretty quickly, and he, he ran me in as a defender. So that was a complete disaster for me and me forward ideas. But it really did. He he seen things, I suppose, that uh, he seen things in a few of us, and he changed a few positions, like me, to be a defender. And Martin Whelan was always a a sharp corner forward, and he ends up playing in goals for us. Like so, I I I think. You know, our idea when Leo came in, it was very exciting to have this inter-county player coming in managing Lowly Black Hall. Like the idea of that I was there going, "God, this is this is this is the step. This is mm-hmm. now now we're at it," kind of thing. So having having somebody like that, and and he didn't let us down in his ideas. He was to, you know forefront to to changes to you know really really taking outside the box. You know, like moving me back, like moving Martin in, but even. Different players at different times could play at wing back or centre back. Uh, you know, there were, you're never short of those outside the box ideas. Which what you want in a, in a man as well. And Leo, for you, when you came in, I know obviously you, you
2: you mentioned it earlier when you were talking to the club about taking the job on. You you cited the the, the number of young players there, and I mentioned it there, looking through the pen picks. Um, was was it your strong belief that you could win a senior within a couple of years, or were you were you exaggerating that slightly when you were talking to the committee members?
3: Well, I'd seen <clears throat> like for example, when we definitely we had seen little how Dun uh and mm-hmm. there was a great sorry, let me there was a one thing I knew about mead football is it was a great tradition, even from Sean Boylan's days where junior and intermediate club players were playing intercounty football, you knew that the junior and intermediate uh grades were strong in mead. And like I've I've come to know that so well over the years. Mm-hmm. But back then with Blackhall Gales. What you saw in Meade were junior teams going on to win intermediate. Intermediate teams going on to win senior. And I was looking at Dunshockland having done it. That was their first year to our to, second year to win a championship. And they'd come from intermediate. I think St. Pat's had, had succeeded. Dunboyne had succeeded. So there was a, a kind of a, a follow on. And so I was kind of going, well, Blackhall, Kilcloon, one won the biggest parishes in Meade. Lots of young players there must be that ability in the club to push on. So I was kind of going, well, if Dunshockland and Dunboyne can do it. And I think, Paul, one of our first training sessions, we were on the running track in in Dunboyne. And I kept going on and on and on about Dunboyne winning the senior championship and Dunshockland winning the senior championship. And you guys knew those lads so well. And that was where I was coming from, really, because I'd be a firm believer that if your neighbors can do it, you can do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah go on, Paul. Yeah, hundred percent, and uh, like it would have been like we would have got relegated on the first of the 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 three in a row for Dunjocklin. like and like it definitely you know drives you on to something. Seeing lads that you played with or know so well, winning the, winning these sort of things. So like Leo was right, and he he was drumming drumming it into us. And as well as that, yeah, you want to do better than your neighbours. You go, All right, they're doing it. We want to do it, and, 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 and like you. He, he, Leo tapped into that, and he he was right because it, it, it's a look at it's a it's a, always a local thing, GEA, and, and it will always be that way. So like we really wanted to get above our neighbours, and we seen it as an opportunity to do so.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at you know you're back up at intermediate, or you're back up at senior after winning the intermediate. So 2002 is your first year back, and I mean like you you played against them, Paul, and you saw them up closely. Like that done shocking team, obviously. By, the, by virtue of the fact that they won a three in a row, they won a Leinster. They were probably probably still handsome to this day. that All the semi final that they lost as well, um, mm-hmm. but they beat you in a quarter final in two thousand two after a replay as well. So you know
3: the writing was on the wall there. No, that that that's not the real story. Two thousand and two took on a different uh, venture. You you remember we said earlier about me spoofing me way into. Uh, Getting the Blackhawk Gales job. Jay's, mm-hmm. I had to do the biggest sell <laughs> job ever at the start of 2002 when Anthony and Barry Miles were looking to transfer because Dunboyne were sniffing around them. And by God, did I have to do some job to get them in? And we did. <laughs> and uh, the two boys joined us. And then, of course, what happened then later on was we beat Dunshotlin in the quarterfinal. But then they objected because Anthony had been sent off totally incorrectly in a match I don't know it was up in Simonstown coincidentally right and uh, yes, there was a,
1: there was a playoff Ballon-Dot. or something yes. like that and yeah, we, we both finished on the same points I think in the group yeah. and yeah. It, it needed a playoff to see who, who went in, in and in Anthony got a,
3: Anthony got sent off and he got sent off in the wrong and Dudley Farr was the referee and Dudley came in and said that's not sending off that's uh, that was wrong. I sent him off in the wrong. However, because it was a quarter-final playoff, it was in the papers, etc., cetera, et cetera. And we went out the next day against Dunshockland in Dunboyne. We played Anthony. <laughs> we said, ah, the hell with this. We're just going to play him. Uh, there was... Dunshockland, of course, objected. I think there was eight weeks between that match against Dunshockland and the refixture. And... Uh, Dunshockland beat us in that refixture. And they went on to win three in a row. And can we say that that was interesting? And the the chairman at the time, Michael Lillis, Michal Lelish, rest in peace, uh, was unbelievable. I mean, he would not let it lie. He said, this is going to be justice. It'll be justice. Like, we, we, we've seen plenty of campaigns. I mean, if social media, Twitter and the likes were around at the time, oh man, Joe Duffy and everybody
2: else would have had a feel there. <laughs> <laughs> right I no, I hadn't actually realised that I was just looking at the at the fixtures and the results from that year so I'd forgotten or like I probably hadn't <coughs> known about it in the first place so
1: yeah, uh, that sounded like an interesting time Paul it, it, it was and like when things like that are going on like nowadays I suppose with social media like if something like that carries on like three days or something like that would explode like we that that was going on and on and on and on like, like Leo was right there I, I don't know how long it was eight weeks it felt like a year like how yes. long it was being dragged out before it was sorted that it was going to a replay and that sort of thing so like, I'm not sure how the rest of the county would have felt about it you know delaying the whole championship all of this but look like, it's mad Like there was an injustice done the simplest thing was that Anthony played the injustice was that he was sent off he played we won the match you know with all things being fair it, it goes to a replay, I suppose. You know, is that the fairest thing at the time? You know, looking back on it, the chuckling going on to win a three in a row and, and winning and a Leinster. championship that leaves some bad taste in your mouth. You know, but yeah. it, it, there would be things like that that would drive you on towards winning a championship the following year. You know, you don't yeah. have, you don't have you don't have to look too far. You know, a few months later, getting back into preseason. I mm-hmm. think there was rumors going around both villages around Kilcloon Batterstown and Nocholand that lads were back running the roads on Christmas day. you know what I mean the, yeah. between the the two the two villages there was you know little stories going around oh they're doing this, these are doing that you know so uh, it was it was it started a kind of a a friendly fire relationship between us <laughs>
2: and then leo um, and we'll we'll uh, we'll obviously look at, at, at how that um revenge mission went in 2003 but you went could just go back to what you were saying there leo about persuading barry and anthony to sign um can you tell us uh, maybe maybe you want to hold some of this back but i don't know how, how exactly you managed to persuade them or what was involved here in in, in charming them to come into blackhall rather than going to demboyne
3: I suppose the two boys had been, along with their brothers, had been in St. Paul's for a long, long time and had won a junior championship uh, in St. Paul's. So, but I think the tide had turned a bit for St. Paul's that it wasn't going as well for them. And I think, they, I think Barry particularly wanted to play senior football before he, he packed it up. I think that'd be a fair assessment. To be honest, I didn't certainly, it wasn't a Shane Walsh job or anything like that. We weren't going looking for them, but they landed on our doorstep because I think they had spoken to Dunboyne. And I think between Pauls and Dunboyne, the same parish and everything else, I think it was a bit too close for comfort. Mm. And so we were the next port of call as a senior club. And to be really honest, I remember meeting them in the country club in Dunjotland and going, lads, We've a good team. We've a good setup. We are intermediate championship champions. We're going in the right direction. It's your your decision. We're more than happy to bring you in. More than happy to join us. And then I left it up to the chairman, Michael Lillis, and uh, anyone else who was involved in that side to to sort out the the necessary paperwork, etc.
2: You know, mm, and and what a success the two of them, two of them were as well. Indeed, so look, looking at two thousand and three. And again, I mentioned this in the introduction. This was the time when there were there were two groups of eight in Mead, which when you think about it now is, is mental stuff. But it was from 03 to 06, you had two groups of eight. So you had to play seven games to come out of your group, never mind getting to knockout stages and quarterfinals and replays and whatnot. But you came second in the group um, to screen. You played seven, won six, lost one game in that one uh, against screen. I think it was 114 to 18 in Park Talton. I don't know if any of the group's games stand out. Obviously, you know, you get to a knockout stage then and you have a replay against St. Pats, but is it, I suppose we touched on it a moment ago, is that semi-final against Unshockland, Paul and Leo? Well, we start maybe with you, Leo. Is that, is that the game maybe that, that, that sticks out in all the games leading up to the final, given what had happened the year before? That must have been a, a fairly intense game.
3: Well, the, the game that stuck out for me was we had a must-win game against Boliver in uh, in uh, Dunsaini, and it was the same day that Leash won the Leinster, so we had not won a Leinster in fifty-seven years. So I'm in Crow Park with my two young lads, and the Blackhall match. I made sure it was on at seven o'clock. But I obviously, you win a Leinster, you're going to have to stay here for the celebration, see the cup being lifted. So I leave Crow Park and speed out to Dunsany. I arrive in the boys had already kind of done their warm up. I arrived in, and I think we won that match by a point. And eight, I always remember eight seven in, yeah. I always remember, come, and it was a horrible match. Oh, and I always remember coming into the dressing room afterwards. I said, lads, on what should have been the greatest day of my life, seeing me count you a Leinster title for the first time, you nearly ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I remember from that day, apart from the match being so bad. And actually, we grew from strength from there because really, yeah. it was in the dog days of summer in July. The championship that year went on from April until September before he got to a playoff stage. You know, we like, forget about the split season. I remember the, the, the club month a few years ago. Like, that's the way Mead was. Once the league finished, the National League finished, you were straight into two or three rounds of championship in Mead, And then there was a gap for the inter-county championship. And then you were back at it again. And it was all over the shop at that stage. So the season was really, really drawn out. Mm-hmm. And even the leagues, like... We played two rounds of the league after we won the championship. It was, it was mad mental stuff, you know, the, the length of the season and no structure really to it at all.
2: Yeah, it did go on a while, I would say. And, and it's funny <laughs> looking, through, looking through the results because Beliver finished bottom of the group that year. They only won one game. And looking at your other results, I mean, you beat Central 2-11 to 2-2. You beat Simonstown in the first round. Obviously, you'd meet them again by well, a point. Uh, you lost the screen. You beat them very well that Beliver game is a bit of an outlier only winning it by a point because you beat Ballon lock fairly comfortably you beat Gail kill comfortably so was there was the fact that there was so much riding on that one Paul was that you know was there a bit of nervousness in the camp do you think? I,
1: I think I think sometimes uh, what, the problem with when you're coming up from maybe an intermediate you're sure yourself and you love the big challenges uh, you know playing a screen playing a town, playing a Sanchez Town you know playing these games it's easy to get up for but then when you're playing, maybe someone who, who might be in, in a similar position to you coming up from intermediate like Beliver, that you're not getting up enough and you're not respecting them enough and you're not going out and doing your job properly. And we haven't enough experience in the dressing room to be doing that. But like being able, being able to receive information from Leo, like, like him having a cut at us there after that Beliver game, it, it, things like that went on in that dressing room after that a lot. Like, we were very, very honest in that dressing room. So I, I think we we went on to play and Lock or someone again, and we bet them, but I think we spent about 20 minutes in dressing room afterwards, you know, having a go with each other about the chances we missed that day and about that if we were to go to a next level, that we had to take the moments that were in front of us and not be you know, fearing what's ahead or disrespecting ourselves or disrespecting the opponent. And, and just, we needed to go out and be, be ourselves and be true to ourselves and finish teams off if it was there to be finished off, mm. you know, and taking the moments that came our way instead of cribbing and crying about what went wrong or we're better than them or we, we can be like this, so-and-so, we can be like the Dirt you know, we should be winning championship. Instead of talking about it, going out and doing it, and I have to say, like, Leo brought that to the dressing room. He brought that honesty and he brought it to training. And training was ferocious in our club uh, and like the dressing room was ferocious. And but because of that, we, we had the respect of each other the minute we took to the field with the black all jersey on us.
2: And do you think, uh, Paul, that you needed to learn? Uh, you've come up from intermediate. Obviously, you were, you were relegated pretty quickly and you're back up again. Do you think you, all of you as a club and as a, as a team, because you're, a lot of you are quite young, do you think you kind of needed to learn what it took to, to play at senior level? Because it's a
1: massive step up. Absolutely. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like We would have had inclinations of it through the old FESH Cup as well when we were intermediate, playing senior clubs at different times and, and, and kind of saying, right, we're nearly there, we're nearly there. And I suppose some of us young fellas, like what I said earlier, had played Division 1. And I, I think we had thoughts in our head that this will come easy to us. But you go out and you play senior football, you don't be long about <clears> getting schooled out there. You, it, things are not as easy as you think. You know, there's a clever lad watching you. There's a seasoned campaigner playing against you that has played senior football for 10 years, maybe. There's a club, you're playing a club with serious senior tradition, you're playing your summer hills, your senses down your screens of the world. It's, it's a completely different ball game. And we needed to learn our <clears lesson throat> along the way. And look, at, I suppose, you know, it, it, it is the toughest lesson to learn is, is, you know, having those experiences. You know, they, they say that, you know, experience is, is, the, is the toughest teacher at all because you only learn the lesson when it's too late. Mm. And, and we had that in our club, the, the experience in going down. But look, at it, it toughens you when, you when you get that experience again, when it comes your way, when you see it coming back up the senior and you're, you're going, right, let's do it differently this time. And you know, as a player, what, when you see these things coming, how, how, how you need to adjust to them better. Yeah.
3: So, And I think, sorry as well, no, go on. I think what we had was we had a lot of, you, you mentioned the youth, but the youth weren't afraid to speak up the likes of Ty, Mark Ferris, Ty Brosnan, Mark Ferris, uh, Dennis Byrne, well, maybe not Dennis, but George, they weren't afraid to speak up. They would hold their own. If they saw that the older guys weren't doing it, they would say it. And I think that was, as Paul said, that was the honesty that was in the room. The whole club had a very honest opinion of itself that couple of years where from the chairman down, it was an open door policy. If you have an issue, let us know and we'll deal with it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I guess you need you need that in, in most clubs, not not all clubs have it, I guess. But just looking forward <clears> then to <throat> the you beat St. Pat's after a replay in the quarter final. And then I can only imagine what the build-up must have been like for the Dunshockland game because you mentioned the, the bit of a needle from the year before. <laughs> allied with the fact that they're three in a row champions in need, allied to the fact that they're Leinster champions now after two thousand and two. So Paul, the build up to that game, and you talked about training being ferocious. I would imagine you were absolutely straining at the leash to get a, to get out at Dunchurchland, and that time you final.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were, we were. Um, look, I, I suppose you just you just love to see these games coming as a player. You just you just look forward to it so much. Uh, I think I think we had another distraction <laughs> after the St. Pat's game. I think Neiser was sent off in that game as well. Um, so he was going to be missing for the chocolate game. So it was like another reason, like teams teams take any reason to, to have something to, you know, we'll do it for this and we'll do it for that. <laughs> you know, these guys down the road, we'll show yeah. them, we'll show them Leinster champions. But like, I, some of it is false, but some of it does, does just push you to to go that extra mile or go that extra percent, which look, it's, it is important at the end of The Teams will always look for the one percent. So at this stage, Nowadays, teams are looking for half percents, never mind one percent. Yeah, and Leo, for you in the build up to that game, I'm guessing. Go on, yeah, sorry.
2: I suppose I was just going to say, I suppose you have to try and you know, you don't want lads going out completely off the wall, wired. You need to keep that kind of controlled aggression and that bit of composure. But, but yeah, how did you how do you remember the build up to that one?
3: Well, the build up was obviously Nigel had got sent off in the quarter final, so there was your. Your your talisman, your county man. So, but what probably happened was we had to re rebalance the team. We had to look at say, well, okay, Nigel's there, so he's gone. So we've now, and he, he won't be playing for the county final because this is going to all happen. He got a month suspension, I think it was. So we knew, right? We're not going to have him. What do we do? And I think it was probably the first time that we actually looked at the Dunchoplin team and said, right. 20 years ago, we were looking at matchups. Who will do, who will mark Niall Kelly? Who's going to go on Richie Keeley? Who's going to put them out of action? Like, if you neutralize Richie Keeley and keep him quiet, he's the driving force for that team. His brothers, you know, who are we going to do? So we very much looked at, you know, Paul was a fullback. So there, he was on David Crimmins. Mm -hmm. So we knew Crimmins was going to be a target man. That's the way Dunshafran played. Paul put him in his pocket. But like as you can see from the scoreline, what was it was a one twelve to three nine, great game of football, and there was very little baggage from the previous years. If you understand me, in that yeah. both teams, it was like a heavyweight fight, going right down to the fifteen round. Boys were like I mean, right up to the very end, Dunshotland had a chance probably to get a goal to draw it. Mm. We we held on, but the build up itself, yeah, for us as a team management, it was all about the matchups and neutralizing and making sure we could win those one-to-one matchups, which we pretty much did.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, Paul, for yourself, like you're Mark and David Crimson, and like that shocking team, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Keeleys, you had Kenny McTighe there, you had, you know, the Gogans, you had Niall Kelly, um, you had Trevor Dowd. I mean, a, a serious team. Like, as I said, the records show they were one of the best probably ever to win me and certainly one of the best in the last 20 years. So, Keeping David Crimmins quiet was no was no mean achievement.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. But in fairness, I owed him one from this thing, and he gave me in that replay game the year before. Like he, he he absolutely took me to the cleaners, and I suppose that was in my head. And I was training really hard, and I was like asking questions of Ty Bros in the training, going, "You know, you really got to push me. You really gotta. You really gotta train hard." Uh, and <laughs> I, I suppose when you such talent in, in our forward line it did get you ready but, but you are right like you know what I mean you, you prepare to mark these guys David Crimmins you know Trevor Dowd Martin Riley, Richie Keeley the, their, their forward line was was just serious and like if you had one lad tied down he'd be only taking you out of of space to create more space for the other lads they were they were such a good talented team and look at, I suppose the three in a row speaks for itself, really. You, you, you know what I mean. But uh, we really had to play to our best to beat that team.: mm. that-
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
3: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
2: Okay. Yeah, and and and, and, a, and a, obviously a huge confidence booster to to not only to beat them, but to beat them without Nigel Lester, as you mentioned there. And a springboard then into the final against the Simon St. Gales team that you'd beaten by a point in the opening round. and. Um, but but Leo looking at that game i mean and maybe you can talk a little bit about the build up to it and the nerves and everything else but it looks like it's all over at half time um we'll talk about maybe what was said at half time in in a moment but the lead up to that final Leo you know you're 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 making good on your promise to 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 win a senior at that at that point but how what do you remember about the build up because obviously a county final is a massive it's a massive thing for any club but for a club in their first one it must have been really really special
3: well for we had two weeks from the Dunshaughlin match, and in fairness, again, I'm going back to the committee, Michael Lillis. He set up a subcommittee to basically take everything away from us for the build-up to the final. They we sat down with them probably on the Tuesday night after Dunshaughlin match, and and I can recall all this because we said, right, this could be the only time we are ever in a county final. This could be the only chance we ever get to win it let's treat it as if these lads were going into an All-Ireland final to play for the county. And Jesus, by by the following week, uh, Richie Morris, who's the current chairman, Richie Morris was heading up this group of men. They had uh, shirts, ties, they had a bus prepared, they had a homecoming prepared as a fail-safe. They they had everything done for us. Like, I mean, Blackhall Gales went up in a bus to the match. We had a pre-match meal. Everything was lined up but that was all we said to them on the Tuesday this is what we want and we never heard from them again until the Sunday morning of the county final when we were all meeting in in, um, in Batterstown a bus was there the lads all got their shirt and tie for afterwards they got their new tops for the for the for, for wearing up to the match all that crack mm. and it was it was a fantastic build up I mean they had fantastic sponsors at the time Tom Bailey um, Tarrantons, you know, the whole parish rallied together to make it a really, really special occasion. Win lures a draw, so then the problem was me as management, and at the, we never mentioned uh, another change that we had in 2003 is that we brought in uh, Vinny Nestor, another Nestor. So I had had Kevin Nestor as a selector for two years, and then or for a year. Two years can't remember, and then Vinnie and Deck Mann came in as well. Deck would have been involved with Paul's as well, so he was kind of another factor in the Moyle saga. Anthony and Barry coming across that Deck was getting involved, and those two guys were brilliant with me. We were we we could bounce things off each other. We we could correct each other. We understood each other, and for those two weeks leading into the final. We just took all the pressure off the players, and really, once we got to Park Talton, we had only one job then to do, and that was to win it.
2: Yeah, and and Paul, for you, the the, the lead up to is that kind of how you remember it as well. Do you remember being particularly nervous about it, or were, were you just you know you mentioned looking forward? You look forward to these big games. Was it was it more just looking forward to it rather than any kind of
1: nervousness? Uh, I I I don't think I was I was nervous. For it, and I, I suppose uh, I was more focused on on not really blowing this chance uh, that we had. Like I, I loved the fact I, I love playing in Park College and full stop to play a final in Park College. In, you know, I'd done it a few times with with under eighteen. It it always just gets the the blood going, and I just didn't want to miss this opportunity. You have to be really careful about days like that especially if you reach an Everest of beating a three in a row chocolate team and you think that is your Everest for the year and trying to get up again two weeks later to play another game and not letting yourself down maybe that was part and parcel to the reason why we may have started the game slowly mm. but you know we I, I never felt that during the week I felt that before the final that you know it was going well a lot of the noise was uh, you know aside never really heard much of it going on it was more about the game for us uh and 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 just getting out and doing the business
2: yeah and and leo you mentioned paul mentioned the slow start there and i don't i don't recall was there i don't actually know was there a strong wind or anything but you're one seven to a point behind at halftime and i i remember i think i was listening to the game on the radio or whatever but i remember thinking to myself well that that's all over but what, what, was the, what was the nature of that first half performance, do you think? Was there, were there any conditions to be dealt with, or did you just not, just not come out of the blocks at all?
3: There was, there was a, a, a breeze blowing from the hospital end up to you know, Manny's end. There was. Uh, but it wasn't a hurricane or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, the lead up to the game, uh, as Paul said, the players were probably a little bit... Uh, they were nervous. They were maybe a little bit too composed. Because we would know history with Simonstown. It, it, like if we'd played Dunn-Chaplin in a final, oh, it would have been all bets off and it would have been like, as, I said, uh, as Paul said, we would have reached our Everest. This is definitely who we want to beat in the final. But we went into the Simonstown game. I won't, wasn't complacent, but we were a little bit, maybe too lax that everything was going according to plan here. The game itself, it was, it was an ordinary enough full f- our first half um, Simon Sam got a very good goal they just outplayed us they were up for it they really they were up for it and we never got out of the starting blocks I think the point we scored was from Sparky from Mark Crampton and I'm not sure if even. I think he might have even fisted it over the bar um, we might have had a goal chance but it was actually <laughs> you often hear the scoreline you know uh, one nil or 1-7 to a point or whatever it might be and you were lucky to get a point like we could easily have gone in 1-7 to no score at halftime or more could have been 1-10 <laughs> yeah. to no score More, and more. it wasn't that Simonstown were blowing us away we were kind of the lads were in the parade singing the national anthem they were having the crack um, you know looking at the crowd they were still looking at the crowd
2: at halftime right so what do you say to them in the dressing room then, Leo?
3: Well, it, there, was no, there was no balls being bounced or anything else. One thing we used to do in Park Halton was whichever end of the dressing rooms you had, I think we, the, the hospital end, and there was a, the, the dressing room beside you was always empty and spare. So you were able to go in there. So the management, we went in there, just calmed our heads, had a chat, And all the players were in the, in the bigger dressing room at the end. And then we just called them all into that room, the other dressing room, stood them up and just basically said, is this the way you want this to finish? Is this the way you want this to end? Basically, you haven't played. You haven't done anything. Get the first score in the second half. And the rest is history as they say.
2: Yeah, absolutely it is. And, and Paul, sorry, yeah, what are your, what are your memories of that, that halftime
1: conversation? Yeah. Or do you remember much about it? Like I remember, uh, I remember the first half being under, like so much pressure, like an endless amount of balls coming in. I remember, I remember it's like Simonstown missing a load of chances. Uh, and like there were a good Simonstown team in that forward line. There was, like Ned was in there, uh, Evan Kelly, John Lundie. Wayne you know, Wayne was there. Uh, uh, Seamus Kenny was on the the the, the wing as well. Like they like they, a lot of good forwards and two meads at midfield. And like I remember this endless amount of ball coming in. And like I, I kind of remember feeling at half time going, can't believe we're only this far behind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I thought we could have been way further behind. And I I kind of knew. We, we had this thing in Blackhall that whatever about anything else, whatever about talents, whatever about anything else on the field, that nobody should be outfighting us. And we, were, we didn't bring that intensity to the first half. And we kind of knew, like we were all looking at each other going, this is not us. Like, forget that it's a final. It's only a game of football. But this is not us. This is not what we do. You know, let's bring our proper intensity to the game. And like from the next, from the second half, I think we'd have scored after about five seconds. And yeah. it just kind of, we just knew that just keep, 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 keep us, the scoreboard ticking over. And like I knew even with seven Barry Miles were talking, uh, you know, a lot during during the second half going, it's our job back here. Every time it comes down, we've got to do our job. Those guys up there, they'll do the rest if we do our job back here. And look, at it 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 did work out for us. There was a lot of luck along the way. You get decisions your way. You get, you know, you get the crowd, the momentum behind you. And to be fair to Simonstern, like it's so hard to stop that momentum when it's coming. Like like nothing could go right for them in that second half. Nothing, nothing. And like if they had gotten a score to break our momentum at any time, it, like there, there would be a there would be a different history you'd be talking about here.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you said that you mentioned that that Simon Sound team and and how strong it was. I was I only bumped into Ronan McGrath before Christmas. I hope Rowan isn't listening yeah. in, listening into this. He'd be getting withdrawal. But but Leo, the, the the second half there was there again. It it sounds like from Paul was saying it's just that momentum. It's a gradual thing. It's not one moment. But do you remember at any point in that second half thinking this is on now? We 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 have a, ch- a real chance here. of pulling this off.
3: Well, another, and we made one change at halftime in that we brought Owen Creavy on for um, John O'Brien. We go back another little bit. I'm not going to extend this, but Martin Whelan would have been playing the the year before corner forward. Martin played corner forward in the first round against Simonstown, and John O'Brien played in goals. Right. So John O'Brien was big, tall, at six foot three, six foot four, well able. And I just came up with the idea: why don't we try midfield? Because we just needed a ball fetcher. So. John played really well. Played okay in the first half, but we just thought we might need a little bit more experience. And Own Creevy was one of these guys, mid twenties, had been on he'd been in goals for the first intermediate team. I think Paul that Blackhall won. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had a tradition of moving goalkeepers around, whereas nowadays (laughs) the tradition of putting outfield players into goals. We were way ahead of that story. (laughs) So Wheelo went in goals and was really good on the kickouts. And John O'Brien was just struggling in the first half, so we made that change. And Owen Creevy did really well. I think he put in a couple of big hits early doors on the Mead brothers. Just settled things down around there, and then Anthony started to perform. And Anthony did really well. But what he also did was, it released up Stevie Nally at centre-back. And Stephen then, his second-half performance was top-class as well he was the captain and by Jeeper said he would re- lead by example in that second half. Uh, his runs out of, and we, we were running at Simon's home. We were running from deep. We were running straight at them into the defence and we were putting them under pressure. A bit like what Paul said, it yeah. turned
1: the tide. Yeah. And, Actually, and do, yeah, even, even interesting on, on that, I, I know you're saying Martin Whelan, like I remember in the game, in that first half when we were under pressure. Like, I remember Martin catching a few long balls and coming out with them. It was like, it was like having an outfield player, you know, beside you, another extra defender. He was so calm on the ball. <coughs> he was able to come for, for high balls. He he was a real footballer who, who just happened to be in goals and had a, he had an excellent kick out as well, which, which helped against the wind in the first half. So like, it, he, that, that alone was such an important thing for us that day. That, that switch that he was in goals. Uh, there, there was little things like that, but look at, as I said earlier, like we, we started to do our job in the second half in the backs. We had the forwards up front that we kind of knew that there's a lot of scorers up there. Maybe a bit of a magic from Ty, every now and then might just come about.
2: And just again, like we, I feel like we could, we could talk all day about this, but time is a little bit against us. And last in the five minutes or so that we've left. Like you get the goals in the second half, Barry McKeown, Ty Brosnan, who was an absolutely phenomenal footballer. I always think it was unfortunate that he didn't really have much of a mid career. Ty, he was a class act. But the, the 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 last couple of minutes, when you know it's it looks like it might be there for you, Paul. Um, do you remember like the closing stages and the final whistle and and what went on afterwards? Because it must have been to win a county final any time is brilliant. To win your first one is, is unbelievable. To come from whatever, nine points behind at half time as well, it must have been an absolutely unbelievable feeling to,
1: to do um, it and to hear that final whistle. It, it is. And the fact that we were dominating an, an awful lot of midfield, Milesy and everything, like you weren't seeing a lot of the ball in those last 10 minutes. It was all pressure, pressure, pressure. So like you were, you were beginning to feel it inside you as those moments were coming, you know, with 10 minutes to go, and you'd be feeling, oh, we have to push up here. We have to, I have to get on another the next ball that comes our way. You can actually feel the momentum building. Look you're not, you're not looking at the the trophy over on the stand or anything, but you can definitely feel that, God, oh, this is this is our share. And even like up to the point that it was level mm-hmm. or we, we we went one point ahead. it's it's weird. You're you're a point ahead, but it feels like you're 10 points ahead. Uh, even though you're, you're, the scoreboard says something different but it feels something else in what's going on on the field as a player uh, but look at it as a, at, at that stage i are kind of going let's see it out <laughs> let's see it out and
2: yeah. are you seeing are you seeing that Paul like you talked about nothing going right for Simon Simonstown in that second half are you seeing it in their body language as well that they know that this is slipping away because as you said We've seen it so many times. It's really hard to, to sort of stop that. And things, if things aren't going right, and there's a wave, wave after yeah. wave of attack. Could you see that in their in their body language as well?
1: You, you, you definitely can. And it, it 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 gets you closer to a player. If a ball comes into you in the full back in the full back line, it gets you that little bit closer, thinking that if I can get a hand in here, this this he'll drop this, this will go our way. Mm. And everything like that was just happening for us. So you do begin to feel it as a player that those moments are swinging your way and that oh, they may be this may be slipping away from here we 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 have the momentum and look at it, I suppose you have to feel that as a player you know you have to be able to to see those moments there you have to be able to feel it and go right this is our opportunity here now and and leo just if I can
2: finish with you then um what are your memories i mean we're looking at the photograph you have there of the your young kids with the Keegan cup after that game on the sideline in Park Halton how do you remember those closing moments in that game?
3: It was, um, it, was, it was surreal because you're kind of going, okay, we've done this now. <laughs> this is brilliant. And uh, I remember the homecomings. Again, we had the contingency plans in place where, uh, like there was, remember, Paul, we were coming back on the bus and we had to be diverted through back around by screen and, across yeah. the bog road to get around Dunshockland was an hour's traffic jam into Dunshockland with the, the, everybody the, the, going the, back from now.
2: Dunshotland didn't block the roads near it no <laughs> no I don't think so well maybe uh,
3: I think you know in the immediate aftermath it was it was one of euphoria I still remember um, the Simonstown manager, his name escapes me now at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) coming into the dressing room and how disappointed that he hadn't won the Keegan Cup because he'd won it so many times as a player with screen. And uh, we kind of went, yeah, thanks very much. And we let out a big roar out when he left. So (laughs) we were delighted. Blackhall Gales were delighted as a club. Michal Olejlis was a very, very happy man. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years later and... He was definitely a very, very sad loss for for for, Ciclune, for, for Batterstown, for Blackhall Gales, for the GAA, really. He was from East Clare. I think he's the same club as, um, uh, Ger- or what's his name? Uh, the name, the, the former Clare manager. Sherlock Nan. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And he had that utter desire and passion about doing everything correctly to win. Not any other way. And I think if I was to finish with one word about the the Blackhall Gales club and the Blackhall Gales players, and that second half performance, every one of them trusted each other. There was a huge trust there between them and they knew what they had to do. We only made one substitution at halftime. We had a panel of thirty togged out. Some lads missed out on that panel. We had so many footballers playing that summer. Simon Sound made five subs or whatever they were allowed to make. We just trusted our players, the management trusted them and that most importantly, the players trusted each other.
2: Absolutely. Listen, Leo, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like we could have talked for another hour or so with this, but it's. I always find it so interesting to talk to people about these sort of things because there's so much stuff that goes on in the background. Obviously, ourselves in the media, I can I can research results and I can see how games went, certain games, but... All those little nuggets that you guys were able to fill in about how games went and incidents in particular matches that that, that won't be you know retrievable on the internet. Uh, it's always brilliant to 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 find that information and to hear those stories. So, Leo Turley, manager of Black Blackhall when they won in two thousand and three, and Paul Nester, who was fullback, converted from the forwards in two thousand and three. Thanks so much, lads, for taking the time.
1: Thanks, David.